Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. I'm Jennifer. I'm John. And this is Kate. We're in a different room, and so it totally threw me off. I'm, I'm, I'm having to look <laughs> over at you. Well, we're not in a circle. We're in the library at the church, and we're at a big table. <laughs> like, where do I look? When I don't, that's exactly it. I'm used to the, the round table. This things. is why King Arthur chose a round table. That's exactly right. Well, it's also hard to, like, even, like, neck-wise. I'm like, now if I want to look at Jennifer, I've got to, like, do a full body turn. <laughs> My neck hurts. Also, yeah. the, the feng shui in the with a square table in King yeah. Arthur, that just wouldn't have... But we do have swirly tra- uh, chairs. That's so... We do have swivelly chairs. Yeah. Swirly chairs. Swirly, swirly chairs! Swirly. <laughs> I'm both accurate descriptions. Absolutely. <laughs> aptly, aptly yeah, aptly described. Well done. All right, so we had our first Sunday in the park. It was Woo! so great. Poor uh, Miss Jennifer missed, missed it, though. It. She had a wonderful wedding. Yes. How was the wedding? It was Who it was, was wedding good. for? It was my brother's wedding. Oh, nice. And, I yeah. knew that, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yes, you knew that. And where did he get married again? Okaboji. We had great weather, and it was a good night. Did you know there's an Okeechobee? Up in Minnesota, and it, we went. I went fishing up there. There's Okaboji here, but an Okeechobee up there, mm-hmm. and it kept on messing with me. I was, it was last year. I was fishing up at it. Okaboji, where? Okaboji. Okaboji. We were on Okaboji last two years ago when the Trump water parade came through, and the water. There were so many boats on the water that oh. literally there were a couple boats that sank. Really? Oh, yeah, because nice. there were hundreds of boats I love circling Okoboji. Also, on Okaboji, causing waves to swell up. This oh, was like during no. COVID. When like some people boats like got drowned with water and we should have a fun shout out for Ingham Okaboji with yes, the Bible King. Uh, what is that? What is that? That is July fifteenth. Yeah, it's like what the tenth through the fifteenth. In oh. all ages. There's a day camp on the fourteenth, and then the younger kids, I think, are like the tenth or the twelfth, and then the older kids age. The 14th. Is like the 15th. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, and Riverside Sister Camp over in Story City. Shout out to them. Yes. Them. Woo. It's interesting though, like Okoboji is so, it feels so culturally different than Clear Lake. Oh, so totally. even though there are lake towns, they're it's very totally different. It's totally different. They than are different. Yeah. Well, they have an amusement park. We used to, I guess. Arnold's Park is so fun. Yeah, we used to. Bayside. They on have, the, they on the an island, island. Yeah. burned down. Wasn't that like in the 30s or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I wasn't alive. What am I like? That's good to know. <laughs> I did one time there's for a the path. Path. a hiking path. There is, and you can walk across. And here's a kit that. This is. But there's a. <laughs> we just moved on real quick. We did a, a parade float, 4th of July, that was Bayside themed once. That's how I know about it. Yeah. It has so a name. Great. The island has a name, and I can't remember what it is. Mm. Wasn't there a hotel on it at one point, too? That's my pen, sorry. The... If you were squeaking, I keep, I'm going to put my pen down. I keep on playing with my pen and it makes a little bird noise. It was like, and it's, it's. The outing club used to be a hotel. That I believe. <laughs> so people that are listening that don't live in Clear Lake are like, I don't care about like, any of this. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to this and you know, without Googling, you know the name of that island, mm. comment and put it on there because yeah, on the I, I'm interested in how Jennifer many Jennifer genuinely know. wants to know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I have a thought. We've been wanting to do a Q&A time for a while. So, John, I'm going to task with the, the task. I'm going to task you with the task. <laughs> Could we do a Facebook post on the Breakthrough Breakdown where people can ask questions around spiritual warfare? 
That would be cool. Mm-hmm. And, that, that, and then we'll bring them up. So for those listening, if we can make a post, so I, I'll let Kyla know. But I think that'd be awesome. And then we can talk about it. We can bring some of those up. I think that'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, first thoughts on first Sunday. You know what was crazy? Weather was crazy. I prayed. Yes. I was praying. Okay, Lord, here's the deal. My God, if you can just mm-hmm. make it stop raining, let it be chill during the service. And it was. It was. I mean, it was still a wind. Wind was pretty gnarly. But it had died down. But yeah, com- compared considerably. It was an hour before. Yeah. And then literally we got finished and it was all of a sudden it was like, Sky got dark yeah. and it started getting windier. And I was like, thank you, Lord. But it was the craziest thing, like how that happened. It was pretty cool. It was mm-hmm. my and first year doing like a kid's tent. Which, by the way, it was awesome. It was so fun. Was fun. And we did like the bare minimum. We, me, I did the bare minimum because I wasn't sure what kind of reception we were going to get. You know, it was just kind of yep. shot in the dark and people loved it. I, so I thought it was great. I I'd wanted love to, to go see what things. else parents want. You, you're <laughs> I did have some adults, some older adults that were playing with the kids over there. So. <laughs> I, I saw that. <laughs> did you notice? Okay, so only people come to the park. So every year there's swings over on the yeah. stage left side. They took off the squeaky swing, swing mm-hmm. which I'm so glad because in the middle of your message, when you hear it, <laughs> it is the most distracting thing in yeah, the world when you hear that. Well, that's the, that's the loudest thing in the world in that in that park it, it's hard being on the stage when you're like all right how's everybody doing and you can't well yeah that but you can't hear anybody else say anything because it's so far away and you're yeah. in it's the really band show it's it's hard to hear anything but that yeah, yeah. it's really funny so we started our oh yeah what were well, we i was just gonna say this sunday i mean if you're um, listening to it it will have already passed but this sure. sunday is our block party block party 150 years 150, of ministry. yeah that's a that's really a testament to God's faithfulness. So, okay, crazy, crazy thought. Only in America do we celebrate 150 years. You go to any other sure, country and like, you're like, like a I got a grocery job. store that's 150 years old. Like, what's the big deal? In America, though, 150 years is like, that's a long Especially time. Especially in like, if you town. think a small town, yeah. our area, um, I think was founded, what, 18? The fire department like, is a year older than we are. Yeah, like... In the 1800s, we were founded. That's I just think it's crazy, crazy that there was a that there was a fire department 150 years ago. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a weird thought to me. Like, it was like they, small, they had buckets. Was it was it buggies <laughs> with buckets? But like people, it was just really what it was. It was a bucket shop with a water thing. Yeah, and so they, they just passed and so just passed. But one day somebody came in and says, "I say you." You chaps could use these buckets or something. What if there was a fire and you could put it out quite quickly? <laughs> so we're British? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> remnants. Clearly it no, was founded Norwegian. by English. You didn't know that. There's quite a lot of Norwegian history. That wasn't Norwegian, though. No. That was yeah. clearly British. It was... Is it a Scot, like Irish or Scottish? That was think? not Scottish. I don't all I can do Irish. Listen here, that's not Irish at all. Uh, no, it's, no, it wasn't at all. Head, move, now. That's, we're, it's a distracted door. There's too much. All right, too much going. All right, so let's get to it. We're in, we're in our second week. We're in our series, This Is How This is how We Fight. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. And uh, this week, so last week, we, we started talking about the unseen realm, the fact that we live in a world that there is an invisible world around us and that the Bible talks about that we have an enemy and that enemy is not seen in the natural the effects of that enemy are seen in the natural, but the enemy himself is not seen. And today, uh, or this Sunday, we were talking about the lies and how the enemy's primary way of getting to us is through our thought life. And that these things are called strongholds. So let me ask you this. Um, when you have the, okay, I'm, this is more of a fun question. 
The voice in your head, does it sound like you or does it sound like someone or something Morgan else? Freeman. <laughs> you have Morgan Freeman kidding, voice? No. <laughs> that would be awesome. Know. It's only Morgan Freeman as God. Is that how the Holy yeah. Spirit speaks to you? I can, I can you make know, the Kate. voice. I can make the voice in my head sound like Morgan Freeman. That's the fun. <laughs> when you when you point it out to me, I think it's me most of the time. I think it sounds like me. But what, now that you've pointed it out and I'm looking at like different lines to read, now I'm just like, I'm going to switch the voice in my head. Now it's going to be... <laughs> it's like Siri. Now it's going to be British. Siri. Yeah, now, now it's going to be Siri. Hello, sounding. governor. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm reading it like different actors. Is like it just Morgan here? Does the atmosphere feel different in here because we're in here? Yes. It feels a little different. Like the, the atmosphere is different in here. It's a much larger space. It feels less contained. I feel like when I am talking or thinking about my inner dialogue or that like that inner voice, it depends on what I'm thinking about. Like when I'm thinking about, we talked a little bit about like past trauma and stuff like that. <clears throat> I wonder if I hear like a younger Kate voice, you know, like Katie yeah. Evans, when I think of that past trauma, when I talk to myself and hear those lies, or if it's like the lies that I've been told, I pretty much can guarantee it's the voice <clears throat> of the person that said it to me. Yeah. You know mm. what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. But if it's like, when I feel like I've heard I don't know if I've ever personally heard an audible voice of God speak to me, but I've absolutely felt like God has spoken to me. That inner voice. That inner voice. And I, it almost doesn't have a sound. It's almost like an impression, okay. mm. if that makes so, sense. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that is the difference is that, um, so for instance, if I'm, uh, I was driving uh, down 35. Me crazy. <laughs> driving down 35 and I stopped over at the school. Uh, truck stop where the school restaurant is and all that stuff. Hmm. And, and it's interesting you say that. I never really thought about it. But I had this impression. It wasn't a clear a thought. Like a feeling. A feeling. But there were words attached to that. Yeah, right. That I was supposed to, there was a homeless man on the side that I was supposed to go pray with him, get him some food, and bless him, and spend some time with him. And I wish I remember the dude's name, but I um, got to pray over him, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a word. I didn't hear a voice. It was Jason, impression, but there were go words. to this man. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like that okay. at all. Um, now, here's the other side, though, is that psychologically, the world will say that's just your brain, that's your personality, that's your mm -hmm. conscience, sure. your subconscious. Uh, but the Bible tells us is that there is a father of lies, that there is a, in that spiritual realm, in the supernatural realm, um, but that's how the enemy often speaks, is he, he deceives. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes he deceives through people, but what that means is that that person heard the lie. Yeah. You know, I think of like Adam and Eve, and it's, Satan is not a creator. He cannot create new yeah. things, but he knows things about you. Yeah. And he, and so like, we're thinking of the, the garden, and he goes, did God really say that? Yeah. It's, yeah. He's not making anything new. <clears throat> but then it's that lie, it's that thing that he knows about you, and he's going to twist that. Yeah. But no, and this is what made me think about this is that what if the lie is not directed at you? What if it's Satan lies to John, John mm -hmm. then lies to you because Satan yeah. knows that you're going to hear it worse from John than if he spoke it to you directly. Well, yeah. and also, I mean, that I mean, makes I'd be John interested on in your thoughts, but hmm. I've always understood that Satan doesn't have like can't access your thoughts. He can't access your thoughts. So no, also, so it has to it has to come from an outside source yeah. in order for it to become internalized. Where I believe that as a lie, where it becomes a stronghold. Amen. Which is part of the reason why we have to say the name of Jesus out loud. Yeah, you can't think the name of Jesus because Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. Only God knows your thoughts. 
And so we, when in that spiritual That's realm, me at 3 a.m. when I'm spooked out. And I go, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I say it out loud. And poor John's like, hey, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about, okay, when you think about some of the lies, and you don't have to get too personal if you don't want to, but what are those moments? Because sometimes it's hard to discern what's me or what's a lie. Yeah. How, what are some of the lies that you hear? And I'll, I'll say one of mine, and just being totally vulnerable. One of mine is, you're a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of those moments where people, if people really knew who I was, and and where that, and that's the part where I'm like, I'm actually a pretty transparent person. I'm, I'm basically the same person just about everywhere I go. But it's more of an, and, and there's a psychological condition for it called imposter syndrome. Of I don't right. deserve to be where I am, and 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 for the longest time, I, I think one that's the enemy because when I feel it, yeah. that's where insecurity yeah. creeps in. Oh, you're not prepared. You're not talented enough. You're not educated enough. You're not yeah. smart enough. You're Those not are all the lies. And if you're not yeah. careful, and it's going to blow up in your face. Yeah. And I joke about it, and because humor is one of my deflection tools, mm-hmm. one of my ones is this is so silly. You're not tall enough. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like that's such a isn't yeah. that silly? Yeah. But that's one of the things because usually you look at leaders. Typically, all attention is drawn to tall people. And so my way of kind of... Even in the Bible, when they were like, you know, who's David, the, David and Saul. Yeah, you know, Saul like, was tall. Saul? Saul was ahead above. And so it's so that's weird funny. is that sometimes that comes in and, and I make fun of it because that's my way of diffusing the lie. It's not because I'm believing it. It's my way of going, no, I, it doesn't have teeth if I make fun of it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's such a silly thing, though. Like I, The yeah. tall person didn't choose to be tall. It's not like they willed themselves... I will be six foot three. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, that's one of the things for me. How about you guys? What are some I always the- think like, if it's, if you don't laugh, it's just sad. That's what I say. So <laughs> I, I, I really do. I make jokes about my trauma, it's, but other people can't. It's callous humor. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and some people just have a darker humor. So I, I, I absolutely understand that. Um, I, I think I pretty candidly talked about it in a previous podcast where I had said, you know, my mom, who is a wonderful woman, I love you, mom, if you're listening, um, Misty, uh, she had said something along the lines of like, kind of jokingly saying like, oh, there was no consequence too great for you. You were just kind of a wild child. You were a naughty kid. And, you know, we think of like the sins of our fathers and you don't think of like those previous generations they didn't understand the things that we understand now. And the, the culture shifts, you know, and the way that words work are different. You know, we think of like using the R word to describe somebody that has unique or special needs. Mm-hmm. That was a medical term at one point. Yeah. We have to remember that culture shifts. Yeah. It took me a second. I'm like, R word. Which one's she talking about? Yeah. <laughs> radical. Yeah, that was it. It yeah. wasn't radical. Yeah. Um, and I still don't use it publicly no, in any way, but generationally some people do but they, it was a medical term so understanding that and understand and having that context with my mother i'm not trying to throw my mother on a yeah. bus but i heard that lie for yeah. so long as there's something yeah. wrong with you you're a naughty kid yeah. you're a bad person you're a mean person there's nothing that anyone can ever do there's nothing you can ever do to be good i don't even like that word in music Oh, I know. Because in music, it is the R word is too rich, hard, it's, it's too slow, to slow down. Yeah. But but again, I think that comes down to is like, how do we know when it's a lie from the devil mm-hmm. or when it's just our thoughts? And I would, I would, nice. I think it's both. I think that's I how, that's the that's the craftiness of Satan is he yeah. recognizes that if he can make you go, oh, it's just me. Well, then he's hiding and going, ah, you don't even know I'm there. Well, and yeah. I think the other thing about that is there is often truth with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Like even in Genesis 3, did God really say? Well, God really did say something. There yeah. was a truth component to yep. it. And so I would say for me, mine's always that I'm unequipped. Mm. Well, and in a lot of ways, mm. that's true. Yeah. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't even have a bachelor's degree. And so a lot of ways I am unequipped. That doesn't mean I'm not called. By the qualified. world standards, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's kind of like a, a mix of like, and again, I think that is where Satan is so crafty because it is often a partial mm. truth that gets twisted and then planted as potentially a stronghold. Because now here's the thing. If I believe that lie and act out of that lie that I'm unequipped, then now essentially everything I do in ministry or even in my family is ineffective. Yeah. And well, that's it, what and the it, stronghold. it limits and engages the power of God. Right. That's the stronghold. Because the stronghold binds you together. Right. And, uh, it, it, it chains you. It chains you down, down and it, and it yeah. limits. It that's the whole point. Of it's, a, it's, a, it's a construct. We start building these constructs of how we understand and operate in our reality around these lies. Yeah. And it chains us to that, yes. every little thing that comes around it. And then that's part of that freedom that we experience in Christ though, is when yeah. you finally break that chain, yeah. break that stronghold, all those lies fall apart and you're like, wow. It's like seeing it goes, the veil. So right? it goes really deep at some, you're like, oh wow. That was, I didn't even realize that was there. But well, you do have to be so careful that you don't rebuild it. Amen. Because uh, that's the thing just that, because you recognize yes. it, like the repentance and yeah. the turning back around is like a constant battle. So and that's where like taking your thoughts captive is so important because be next you week. aren't going <laughs> to, yeah, I don't know, spoiler alert. Like you aren't going to, you aren't going to stop thinking that thought. Yeah. You have, but you, but you can recognize it, and stop then. it, turn around and walk a different and direction. And I would actually say in time, you do. When that stronghold is broken, that thought doesn't come up anymore. Yeah. And then, and then, or if it does, you know it's such a lie anymore that Satan stops using it. Right. He knows it's, it's not, not effective. It's not effective anymore. So, yeah. like for, so for instance, um, and I shared this several months ago, one of the lies that I struggled with for years is my, the, a woman who I deeply care about was like my spiritual mom said, Jason, some people are just meant to work at gas stations. And she was really what it came down to is I didn't have the money for school. Yeah. Her kids got a free education because mm. of where she worked. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a dad. And that's really, she's like, and it's not your fault. And she would say things, you know, it's not your fault. You didn't have a dad. You didn't. But it, she was limiting and, and those uh -huh. things in my early 20s. Now, I, I look at where I am and it's clearly God's got different plans. Yeah. But my early 20s were dictated by that lie. Right. Well, you know what's so interesting? And I'm not trying to excuse that comment. But I wonder if she was truly trying to say that from a, a place of compassion and care. Like, Jason, there, you are still valuable even if you're a gas station clerk. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying no. that, but, but hear my heart because there are times. Yeah. Sometimes we, we say, say things, things don't like realize that. and they're painful. Yeah, we'll yeah. say things like that and mm. we don't understand that it is completely received and perceived a completely different yeah. way from the here than how we intended that. And this is why words are so dangerous. Is Amen. That yes. You may not realize you're what you intended. One well, and even in our even in our staff. Yeah. We've had yeah. that where yeah. one of us and we're all guilty of it. Amen. One of us will say something that yeah. innocuous. It's literally meant nothing and the other person is not torn up about it. Right. Uh -huh. And and you're like that was a thing? Like and I think it matters who it comes from too and I think Satan knows that. Yeah. We were Absolutely. talking about like when, if he would have said, yeah, Adam, do you really trust Eve? And he'd be like, I don't know, God, what do you think? But the fact that he said, did God really say that? Yeah. Who it came from mattered. Yeah. You know, talking about your spiritual mother, yeah. who it came from, talking about like when we, Jennifer yeah. and I yeah. had that conversation. It was like, your, your words carry weight to yeah. me because yeah. I care about you. Yeah. 
How about you, John? We sorry, we we got we got sidetracked. Sorry, John. no, no, it's okay. It's, I, it's, I'm just I'm just thinking about it. You know, like the the strongholds that we can build are so it's it's so invisible and hard to see it. I think the big one that I struggle with, struggled and still do, was uh, this notion that nothing you do matters. There isn't any point to doing anything because it's not going to. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But I wouldn't go as far as to say like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. It was more like, (laughs) I don't want to. Nothing else matters. Yeah. I don't want to expend any more effort than is necessary because why bother? I'm not going to get anything out of it. Or I think that I'm not going to get anything out of it. Because sometimes it's hard to see beyond well that's that's what it became was kind of like well then i'm not going to do anything if there's no point to uh what i'm doing i'm just going to sit back and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where i just don't do anything and i, I don't get anything you and know now life happens to you instead of mm-hmm. being part of yeah. life you're a victim of life I right can't help but think of like how opposite you and i are john but like <laughs> the same coin where it's like you give up fighting before the fight even starts. And yeah. I don't know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, be no, still. Fight. Stop it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's the opposite battle. And both, and the, and the interesting part is both of those have strengths and weaknesses. And Sometimes I, it's better not to fight. So, it is, I need to learn. To fight. So did yeah. you, and I, maybe you already knew this, and if, if you did, I apologize, but uh, I had a friend of mine who was a lifeguard at the beach. And she, she, uh, she was telling me that oh. if, when somebody is drowning, Sometimes you have to knock the person yeah. out. Uh-huh. You have to wait until they're no longer they're actively, actively drowning. Yeah, and, yep. and they actually teach them knockout techniques. The other thing they said, which this, was, this was crazy. I didn't learn that. Is that because there's pier on a wave, you put their body in front of yours and you let them hit the pier so that both of you don't drown. Yeah. That's why you put your mask on first. Yeah, man. but I'm like, really? You them? Yeah, because... Like mm-hmm. if you both drown, you're both dead. But yeah. if, if you're in a wave and you're coming in, no, you. you I feel like there's. I, oh yeah, I, I didn't learn that when I was training to be a lifeguard. But I definitely was like, don't let them take you down. You gotta like almost put well, them in like a, a headlock with your lifeguard by a pier. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. But I mean, that's that's the point. Is sometimes we need to know when not to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, so now I and I intentionally did it. I brought in the enneagram in the sermon without yeah, saying it. it was the enneagram. And, and part of what the Enneagram reveals, and I think why it is, I believe the Enneagram is a gift from God. Um, it's well, not God. So it's certainly a tool. It's a, mm. that's, a, that's all yeah. a gift is. A yeah. gift is a great tool. Um, it's not the only tool. It's, it's certainly not the gospel. It doesn't save us. It doesn't, but it brings some awareness. Um, we looked at that list, and then I talked about, basically, I went through all nine lies of people. <laughs> and John, you said something interesting. You're like, when you were done, every person's going to be like, ow, that one was too close. Yeah, you hit every answer. single number on the Enneagram with a comment that was like, this is a lie you could believe. And I'm like, every single person's going to be uncomfortable. Are, I think these are personality ones, because I guarantee you, there are lies that you believe that if they were said to me, I'd be like, meh. Yeah, no, you know, exactly. You were just talking about it when we were saying like, Enneagram is just a tool to be very, very clear that when we were talking about these impressions that we have, it's like, it's not so much as like an audible voice, but when you get the tools to give words to the things that you're experiencing, how much more helpful is that? If, if you know what the lie is you're believing because you have a tool that gives you the words, that's all the Enneagram is for us. So, uh, so here are, here they are. Um, 
and I'll, I'll say what number they are too. So for those listening, sure. Uh, often, and these are not the only lies that we believe, but these are, can be some of the core stories, which we just went through stories a couple weeks ago and testified. Um, you're not good enough. Be better. The lie of the Enneagram one. Should I match it with the, how many light bulbs or how many ones does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, the Enneagram two, I'm only worth loving if people need me. That you're defined, your sense of value and love. And if you're not needed, then you're not loved. Uh, I need others to see me as successful or I'm nothing. The Enneagram three. I'm alone in this world and no one understands me, the Enneagram 4. Now, here's the crazy part is because your numbers connect to other things, you can believe multifacets of these yeah, lies, yeah. but you have a core lie that drives you. The other ones just kind of shape you. I must have all the answers. I can't appear dumb. The Enneagram 5. I have a friend who's a 5. And uh, when we were talking, he goes, when he, when he realized he was a 5, he said, Jason, there are times that I will say nothing because I'm afraid of looking stupid. Mm. Even if I have the answer, I'll say nothing just in case. I'm like, really? You don't even just like, no, unless I'm 100% sure I'm right, I won't talk. And I think that's, you know, we were talking about the Enneagram being a tool. I think that's why it's so powerful is because it help, it does help you be compassionate to other people. Yes. Yeah. Like when yeah. I realized that and I have the opposite problem, I'll say something and someone goes, that's wrong. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I talk too fast. Well, and, and to like, you were talking about the core lie. It, that's what's an, y- useful about the Enneagram too, is it's like, why do you not talk? Because I would not talk in a conversation too, yeah. but I don't, I don't necessarily care about looking dumb. It's, it's just that I don't, yeah. I don't have anything to contribute right now. And, and I think, and this is the thing where the enemy comes in is the enemy knows your personality because he sees it. He can help influence it. But because of that, He'll pick at those core lines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the shadow side of the Enneagram where the purpose of the Enneagram is not to tell you how awesome you are. It's to reveal the areas where your brokenness bleeds. Yeah. And we all have it. And so like the, for the six, I must live in fear because fear keeps me and others safe. And when I realize, like I have friends that are Enneagram sixes, do you know how much courage it takes to live in the world when you're constantly afraid that yeah. things are going to yeah. hurt you? I loved when COVID went down. And like everybody's like panicking, and the sixes are like, "I've been prepping for this for years." Yeah, finally, uh, have you seen the my world's basement? burning? I knew it would. <laughs> let me go. Let me go grab my canned goods and toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, this was the one, and and okay. So so far, what's everybody's Enneagram number? We haven't gotten yours to yours. We haven't, yet. We, got, we haven't hit John's. No. Well, you should finish reading. Okay, let's finish reading. Okay, no one really cares about my needs, so I must take care of them myself. The Enneagram seven. Hmm. Uh, eight, I can't appear weak or vulnerable. I don't need anyone. The Enneagram hmm. eight, I must make everyone happy. Don't rock the boat. The Enneagram. Don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. Okay, well, can I speak to mine? Yeah, please. So, Enneagram eight, the challenger or the reformer. Well, the reformer's one. That's anyway, the one. Challenger, sorry. protector, protector, defender. They, okay. cannot, they go. So, what you just read is I can't appear weak or vulnerable. I don't need anyone. And really, mine is more like I'm not safe. I depend upon me. Mm. Is right. kind of how I yeah. would phrase that more for me personally. Yep. No, and that's everybody has yeah. it. They hear it differently. It's yeah. the core root of right. it, which is right. I don't, you, you can't be weak because you can't count on anybody. Right. So, you have to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine when it's the. <laughs> I'm only, I'm a two, the 
whatever, the helper, the lover, whatever you want to call it. The giver. The giver. I love that book. Um, I'm only (laughs) worth loving if people need me. And like BC, before Jesus and, you know, before Enneagram, when I was having this really deep, fun conversation with a good friend and they just said like, what's your greatest fear? And I remember as a kid being like, I'm not afraid of anything. Like, I don't like falling from heights, but I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of snakes. John's sure. like, probably. Because heights don't fall. kill you. The ground is what kills Yeah, you. like, I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> and I said, I think if there was anything that I'm afraid of is the fact that I think I'm unlovable. And I remember mm-hmm. saying that at like, That's like profound, 15, but... 16 years old. And to like find the Enneagram and like reading these. And it's like, the lie of the two. They believe they're un- unlovable. And I was like, get out of <laughs> and the other thing about it is just that it is a good reminder that you're not alone. Yeah, that's what I was like. Oh, there's a whole personality, a whole other bunch of people that yeah. love to stay busy and help other people and feel needed because that's how they affirm that they're yes. lovable. Yeah. I my my lie is that it's not so much that I need to be needed, but that I need to somehow prove I'm lovable. Yeah, and I need a constant, and that's how I do serving it. Serving is how you should see. Look, I'm yeah. I'm lovable because look what I do. And yeah. if I'm in a healthy place. It doesn't, it's not that I'm proving my lovability. It's more of that I'm reminding myself that I am lovable, yeah. but I don't have to do anything at all, that I can be still. I don't need to fight. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, what I, this is just the dark side because we're yeah. talking about the lies of the enemy. Right. And this is where next week we're going to get into the truth. Amen. And when you can speak the truth into these things, Amen. that's the healthy side of your personality because right. your personality is yeah. not all bad. There's good to it. How about you, John? Yeah. I was going to say, I have always, thought of myself that I'm not a people pleaser. Like I hear that a lot. It's like, oh, I struggle with people pleasing. I struggle with people pleasing. I'm like, I don't. (laughs) But I'm like, how actually though, I don't maybe care what people think about me unless it's like, John, you really upset me or you really screwed up and now it's affecting me. And I'm like, mm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, I, I want people to think that I am easygoing, nice, helpful, and fun to be around. Like I want people to think that of me. And so I do, I don't, I don't go out of my way to make people, I don't go out of my way to maybe help people or to lift people up or to, you know, help in that way. But I definitely don't want to confront somebody because and then how does then, the enemy use that lie? I mean, that's the question. Well, then, then I'm like, I don't need to say anything at all right. because I don't want anyone to like, I won't step up and say something that maybe needs to be said in that yeah. moment or do something that or do something that needs to be done. Yeah. It's like a passivity. It's like, I don't need to do anything passivity. because everything's fine. Now we're happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's peaceful. And the enemy, and I think this is where we're the enemy right. comes in. And this is where it's stronghold. Yeah. Our personality becomes a stronghold if we're not careful. Yep. Because now I lean into my personality instead of being a gift, it becomes that, that curse. Well, I was, yeah, I was going to be like, I can, I've believed the lie too, where I'm like, I, I, I don't need to do anything at all because everything is perfect and I'm, I'm totally good and zen and, and nobody needs to worry about anything and they can come to me for their problems and I can calmly walk them through it because I don't have any problems of my own. It's like this whole, this whole stronghold is <laughs> yeah, like, this whole kind well, and even the stronghold, this is why the, the names, and I know we're kind of going off a little bit on the Enneagram, but even the names associated become strongholds. Yeah, mm-hmm. Challenger. Challenger, yeah. which I remember the first time I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> the first time I was like, I'm not. Oh, I'm doing the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a challenger. How dare you say I'm a challenger? Yeah. Oh, there it is. 
Well, like for me, it was, I remember um, my pastor years ago when my pastor said, Jason, you're Peter Pan. Yeah. You mm. never want to grow up and you need to grow up. And I was 30s. I was like 33, 34. I hope I never grow up. And, but I think through that and I was like, this is before I had the words of the Enneagram. And he saw that as a weakness. Sure. Yeah. And not realizing the truth is I didn't want to grow up because when you're a kid, you don't have to worry about things. And I think that even speaks to the redemption of God too, where it's like, no, the enemy can use these lies yeah. to stronghold you down. But God can use these truths and opposite of them to set you free. And, and like, now yeah. I'm so much and, more. You're not an yeah, eight. I'm not a seven. Well, you know, and to bring fullness and fullness. The thing about these lies is that they start small. It's a foothold yeah. that yep. grows. It's that kernel. It's that mustard right. seed of the lie. I remember one time when we were like, I was in Peru and we were praying about um, you know, the spiritual warfare that was happening right before this Sunday morning service. I remember like having this, not vision so much as like a, a visual um, a picture in my head as we were praying, thinking about like, you know, when you think of that living water wrapped around a heart, like when you're like, guard my heart. And it's when you don't have the truth or the living water, or the, the, the promises of Jesus Christ that are, you know, a promise to you, that living water around your heart, it, you think of like, there's these cracks. And then there's footholds and then Satan gets in there because he knows things about you. And then what happens is those cracks, they grow these vines and these strongholds and it holds you down, but it starts so small. Well, it's okay. So, uh, and I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not. I've, I've seen things that seem to show it is, but elephants, baby elephant, they tie, uh, they tie a rope around its foot, baby elephant. And they basically, that stops them from moving. Well, now they've become so accustomed to that rope around their foot that when they're full grown an elephant, you can still put that same rope around the foot, which they could easily destroy with their weight. Hmm. But because it kept them when they were younger, it yeah. keeps them as an adult. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And so those lies that the enemy comes in. So like I'm an Enneagram 7. And, and even that language, I am an Enneagram 7. No, <laughs> yeah. that's, no, that's yeah. the lie You're I tend to believe. God. I'm a child of God. And that some people resist, like, how dare you pigeonhole me? No, it just reveals the pigeonhole you put yourself in. Right. Just give you language to it, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a good thing that you're proudly declaring, I'm yeah. a four or I'm a one, you know? And, but now it goes back to that compassion and learning. Yeah. So you know what the enemy doesn't? The enemy wants you to have compassion on your sin, not compassion on yourself. Yeah. Oh, it's okay that you did that. You had a hard day. Yeah. That's the enemy's compassion. Like the enemy is compassionate, but it's a twisted, broken it's compassion. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And that's the wrong kind of compassion or empathy yeah. or sympathy. And Well, it's a false compassion. That's right. It's a false compassion that's, that's ultimately about trying to bring destruction. And, and if you think about those things, the father of lies, he births lies. He moves in lies. He trades in lies. His commodity is lies. Um, why do you think, or what do you think? Maybe what's the better question? What do you think is so hard for Christians in particular to be honest about the strongholds in their lives? Because I mean, I'll ask Christian, how's everything going? Oh, everything's great. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a weird statement. Yeah. Like the inability to say, you know, here's what I'm struggling with. I'll ask, I've asked godly people, how can I pray for you? I'm good. I don't have anything. Right. That's a stronghold into itself. It's that independence. I need yeah. nothing. Yeah. What do you think it is? And I know what it is within the world, but what do you think it is within the, the Christian? I think I'm thinking of myself only because it's the only Christian that I really know that intimately yeah. able to speak on that. So I'm only speaking on myself. And I recently, coming up on almost two months now, praise God, um, am recovering from burnout. And when 
if I look at the lie that I believe that unless I'm needed, I'm unlovable. And I worked myself into a corner of being burnt out now. It's because I do and do and do and push and put. And if I, if I stop, if I give up, if I say no, if I quit fighting, then, I, then that just speaks to that truth of that I can't do it. And if I can't do it, then I'm unlovable. And so I'm not even going to look at that as a, because my truth is that, no, of course I'm lovable. God loves me. Even if nobody, I always say me and Jesus were good, but me and people, not so much. <laughs> like I know God loves me. So I'm not unlovable. So I can do this and I'm going to keep going where it's like, I, I twist the truth yeah. and I can't fight the lie. Cause the truth is, is that you don't have to do anything at all to be lovable. Yeah. I- and the truth will set you free. And the truth will set you free. And I think yep. that's part of it, where it's like we try to pigeonhole Jesus, God, the truth into what serves our purposes. Yeah. yeah. And you and, and then it's my truth, not the truth. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you believe the lie long enough, it becomes a truth. Yeah. It's just it's a false truth. Yeah. And you you would say that to yourself of like, no. I don't this have is her to husband speaking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You would say that to yourself and be like, no, I literally don't have to do anything at all, yeah. period. And I'm still lovable. And I'm sitting over here going, well, duh, obviously, <laughs> of course, I already know that. That's not my, that's not the lie that's that I believe. It's you know? so inherently deep for me. Right. Yeah. It hurts so much worse. But and you're I, like, and I think that's what, I think that's the, the grossness of the lie. Yeah. yeah. Is because. He, Satan puts it in such a way that you're like, well, this must be true. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the weird, twisted way, that lie of a truth, that false truth, actually brings some weird comfort to us because it explains our world. It helps us yeah. make sense of our world. And so yeah. now some are like, well, this has been proven so far, so it must be true. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, I think, I think that's why so many, myself included, why we're so, it's so hard to acknowledge those strongholds because for some it's that, I don't want to appear weak. I don't yeah. want to appear vulnerable. Uh, or that means I have to do work with it. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. Means I yep. have to actually look at it and accept <laughs> yes! that I'm or, doing something wrong. And yep. for me, that's super uncomfortable and yeah. unfun. And I don't like pain and pain is no bueno. I think, I think for the, the church as a whole, the, when, when, you, when you meet on a Sunday morning, it's like, oh, how's your week been? Or how you doing? Oh, fine. Good. Great. We're, everything's peachy keen. It's like... I think, I think the lie that the church can believe, or, or you know, we as the church, the body of Christ, can believe is that uh, I don't want to, I don't want to appear like I'm struggling with a sin, or I don't want to appear that I'm, I'm struggling. Period. Just because I should be different, like I should be. I don't know. I should be better. I should. Christ has done work in my life, so things should be good now, right? I shouldn't have to struggle with sin. If you are struggling with a sin or struggling in a marriage or your kids or whatever it happens to be, it's like I don't want anyone else to know that because then it's like I'm not a very good Christian. It's like yeah, we forget. Sorry, we 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 forget that the church is not supposed to be perfect. Yeah, it's just supposed to be a place where. We know we're broken. broken. Yeah. Uh, I do think there is a, I, I do think there's a pride in not depending upon other people. And that mm-hmm. comes in two places. It's dependence upon God. I don't, I don't need God. And it's an uh, uh, interdependence on people. I don't need people. I've, I've got this. And, I, and that is really a source of, of pride where you think you are 
the one who can handle and control Mm -hmm. this without anybody else. And I think that's part one. I think part two is to John's point of we still, there is still a stigma that the church is perfect people, not broken people. Yeah, right. And so perfectly broken people. (laughs) And so I like, I mean, honestly, I do think there is some, can you truly share and be vulnerable what's going on and be received and accepted and have grace for that? Yeah. And that's why yeah. there's such a need for like truly confessional community, community. where you truly, yes. where you truly do confess your sins to one another and you truly do receive an abundant grace and account to through and accountability to walk in steps of, of, you know, repentance in that. And so, yeah. and that, that means yeah. you have to have a community that you can it do does. that. Right, and, and that takes time it and does. effort, and trust, and relationship. And right now, and I've, I think I've shared this in another podcast. Um, the modern, most recent research is showing the primary reason people are leaving churches because they can't find friends. Yeah, hmm. they can't find their tribe, and in a small town, that's even that much yeah. harder because here we've got so many people who've known each other for so long. They're like, no, my tribe, no one else allowed in. Yeah. Uh, it was I was before you get in. Yeah, hold your thought, please. Um, I was thinking about that. Part of our culture, and this is the American way, we emulate the self-made man or woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. I pulled myself up from the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. I came from nothing. And and I was a friend of mine and I were talking about this. And he's like, you know, I just I have natural skills. And I said, actually, no, you don't have natural skills. <laughs> you came from a family environment where your parents passed down certain things to you. Yes, you have certain skills, but the things that you associate as being things that you worked for, you were already positioned to succeed in those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of us have some have yeah. something that we're positioned to succeed or fail in. But our immediate response is to look what I did. Look how I got mm-hmm. myself here. And he's like, oh, you're right. I didn't think about the fact that my father did this, uh-huh. that my education was paid for. I didn't think about that I was raised in this community. And he's like, that's a good point. And all of a sudden he realized he didn't have compassion on people who weren't raised in that environment because he thought they were slackers. Yeah. Right. You know, and to that point, there's a lot of that that we see in our, our culture. You know, you see trainers that say like, you know, they're, they're preaching their broccoli and they're, they're working out, but then you forget about body types that like yeah. these people that do rugby that are broad and wide, they're not broad and wide because they do rugby. They're good at rugby because they're, they're broad, broad and wide. wide. Yeah. Right. And so then you have these like trainers that, go, that are going out and, and incorrectly thinking that, you know, like, oh, I'm naturally fit and that it's easy for me. My metabolism is good. And, you know, you should just be able to do the same thing, you know, and they lack that empathy and compassion. The other part of what I was going to say before with that, like this accountability and being able to have that confessional community, the other side of that or a part of that also takes responsibility. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things about talking about a stronghold is taking the responsibility of like, yeah, but I I think we give Satan too much credit. Yeah. yeah. I I'm think sure that I'm perfectly good at messing up my own life. That's right. Yeah. And I give it to Satan like, oh, Satan's doing this or so-and-so it's just the blame stepped on my <laughs> stuff. And now I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to apologize to them. And I, they're not going to be a part of my community because clearly they're, they've got, it's their own heart issue. And it was something really cool you said the other day, Jason, that we were talking about something that I kind of wanted to like complain about and like almost gossip about where I was like, oh, did you see this? This makes me so upset. And you're like, yeah, um, I think we're we're leading the way and we're doing a good job. And it's just affirming what God's doing in our church and our lives. And I was like, 
Yeah, but I wanted to come to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You actually, you looked I feel like my face literally fell. I was like, you, no, you I You actually said that. You're like, that may be true, but come on. <laughs> it, was, it took a second for me to be like, no, I need to take responsibility of, I'm, I'm harboring sin and hatred in my heart yeah. already, and yeah. I'm giving Satan a foothold. Yeah. Well, and, and to... I was speaking that to myself more than I was to you because my natural oh, really tendency is was to want to go in to complain with it. Yeah. And I'm this is something I've been catching in my own life is that I can unintentionally fall into the victim mentality yeah, sure. of look what's been done to me. Oh, yes. and then I get upset. And instead of saying, wait, God, look at how you've already blessed and Amen. moved. And, and, and this goes, okay, so one of the things that we get on, and I want to make it clear if you're listening, if you were here on Sunday, um, Satan, the way Satan works, yes, he whispers in her ear, but his primary way of affecting people is through other people. Other people, Amen. which means we're tools of the enemy. That's right. Sometimes Amen. even well-intentioned people are tools yeah. of the enemy. And I wanted to make it clear, I was not targeting anybody because I've been just as guilty. But there's a reason why God hates grumbling and complaining. Mm. Rarely does grumbling and complaining ever actually come from the Holy Spirit. Now, there's moments where it's okay to lament and it's that's it is a, it is a complaint, but it's a complaint directed at God of saying I don't understand. Yeah. Not yeah. A God, you. Yeah. Uh, not a complaint of why don't I get? Why does she get apples and I get lemons? Like well, the whole book of Lamentations is God, where are you? But that's not usually what our complaining is. Most of the time, right. our complaining is, well, I, you're not playing the songs I like. You, uh, I don't like this. It's a personal preference, and then we assume. If I feel this way, other people, I'm just speaking for other people. I had somebody say that to me once. Jason, I'm just telling you what everybody else is thinking. Wow. You know, and that's it. I think a lot of times they ran a poll. when we have those like sinful, self-righteous complaints, they're also, they're like often comparative. Like we're comparing yeah. to other, we're looking to the other racers and saying, why does so-and-so get to do that? And this is what so-and-so thinks. And this is, you know, when we do it this way, or we used to do it that way. And you're just comparing instead of being able to be present and look at the blessing that is already happening all around me. It's the great parable that Jesus tells of the workers. And yeah. he hires one at noon and says, hey, I'm going to pay you Fifty dollars. He yes. hires another one at two and says, "I'm gonna pay you fifty dollars." Yeah. He hires one yep. one hour left. So I'm like, "How?" But I work since noon. Didn't I tell you I was gonna pay you fifty bucks? It's, I get to do however I want to. Yeah. Right. And isn't that what we often do? We and and I want to be careful here because sometimes there are things where uh, things that the church does that are causing harm, and they're not complaining as much as they are revealing. Whistleblowing isn't complaining. That's right. <laughs> sometimes they're whistleblowing. Other times, what they're revealing is a source of pain. Yeah, mm -hmm. and pain can mask itself as complaining when the reality is the person doesn't know how to express Verbal. their hurt yeah. in a way different than it's like complaining. A, it's like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. Yes. yes, because you don't you don't have the words or the tools or the language to put to express yourself. And the devil knows that. Amen. And so what the devil wants to do is he's going to get you to complain. Yeah, be angry. But I do angry. think it's a good reminder to all of us as we receive a complaint to get to the source of that yeah. to ask good questions of like what is like where are you hurting yeah. in this yeah and, and where's the pain point for you and even phrase it that way and, and even humbly acknowledge that sometimes the pain point is i'm just not getting what i want yeah, yeah I, was, I was gonna i was just thinking that yeah as you were saying it's like sometimes this sometimes the source is this deep hurt that's like i've been hurt by the church in the past and so i don't know how to express that sometimes it's just 
yeah, I'm not getting what I want. And so I'm, so it's like, it's it, having the wisdom to sit down with somebody and be like, where is this coming from? Like was, how, trying to understand. That was one of my favorite things when I used to work at the office here at the church, um, part-time and you would field I'm like, calls. You still work at the office. You still no, I'm sorry. When you I were was, in the front office. I was in the front office. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a very different position than what it is now. Sure. Um, at the time it was kind of like an administrator, administrative office position. Um, very like Pam from the office <laughs> <laughs> was kind of my job. And you would have to field these calls and sometimes you would get complaints and you could tell, and I've talked to a lot of other people that still like field these calls where it's like, sometimes people just are, are angry. They're just, they yeah. want to be angry about something. So they're picking anything. And often one of my favorite things that I could do is just talk to them. And by yeah. the end of the phone call, I guarantee they don't even like tomorrow, they're not going to care about the thing. They just, I'm going to call the church and complain about this. And it's, I think you're just sad and lonely. Sometimes and it's just caring for them. It's I, just I feel the same way about in my previous world of dispatching. Yeah. Like, do you know yeah. how many times I told when I was training new dispatchers, like, if people need a place to vent, let them vent to you. You yeah. can be the caring, compassionate person because in that world, like, police officers are killed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you can deescalate the situation just by letting them be heard, yeah. you have now kept the responders that much safer when they respond to the call. And, Amen. and I think in the church world, the problem becomes for us is that sometimes it's the same people who complain over and over again. And there's a point in which Jesus says, enough, speak the truth in love. Yeah. yeah. And because sometimes you're right, some people need to be heard. Other people just want to complain and they're now being tools of the enemy to cause problems. And they make it habitual. Now yeah. this yeah, is yeah, your yeah. coping skill That's to deal right. with being unhealthy and in now life. you are getting in the way of what God is doing. Yeah. Yep. And, and here's what, as I was writing this, as I was working on the message, I was thinking about what have been things in my past where I vocalized frustration where maybe I was hindering what God wanted to do in the church because now the pastor was thinking about, is Jason going to come one more time and complain? Hmm. Yeah. Or, or a time that I got in the way of the move of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life because I complained to them about something and they already, the, the enemy was already working on something with them and now I'm complaining about the church and it became that seed of doubt. To ah, I knew it. Jesus is real. Yeah. I thought about that too when you were we were doing the sermon read through and you had gotten to that point of talking about like sometimes our well-intentioned complaints hold back what God is doing. And I thought of like a situation where I had been upset with someone for I don't even know, like nonsensical, doesn't even matter. Like I was upset with someone and I was like, well, I I can choose who I spend my time around and I don't need to spend time around that person then. And instead of celebrating with this person that had was going through like a really cool transition in their life and they were, you know, moving on and doing good things, I kind of missed out on that season of their life because I was being a grumpy Gus. Yeah. Because but it was like, oh, but I'm doing the right thing. I'm not fighting with them. I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just right. not talking to them. So that in that passivity. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, oh, wow, did I hold back their excitement? Yeah. How much How much further could they have gone if I was their cheerleader? Could I have elevated and, them yeah. instead of depressing them? That's immediately what I thought of is that situation. I was like, man, I need to go to that person and be like, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's what's so interesting about these lies that we're talking about is there, there, there is truth in them. Yeah. They, are, they are. It's just twisted Most truth. Most lies yeah. an element of truth. Yes. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what makes it so difficult to spot 
and to recognize and take captive. One, and especially when we believe we're in the right. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that God has been consistently challenging me on in myself is I'm so quick to defend my position, forgetting that everybody defends their position and all of us are probably wrong to some degree. Amen. And, And yet I'm in my mind, I'm convinced I'm right. You're convinced you're right. And the posture of humility is to come yeah. in and say, what if neither of us are right and God has put us together so we can figure out what is the middle? Yes. And I think here's the other thing. Even if you are right. doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like, does it you matter? Can be right it matter. Or you can be righteous. Most yeah. of my fights with my wife have escalated because I needed to be right. Yes. And I need mm. to trust the Holy Spirit to reveal to, that in their to, heart. Because do, yes. does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now by right. me? So we're almost at an hour. And oh, okay. So no, it's this has been great. Um, Next week, we're actually going to talk about how do we defeat the strongholds. So this week was recognizing strongholds. Next week is how do we defeat them. And we're actually going to get into generational sins mm. and talking about the roles that those play in people's lives and how. Um, the sad part is, is that we also carry the lies of our parents yeah. and the hurts. And they're not just passed down emotionally. Now, most modern neuroscience and cellular science is being shown that it's, it's carried down on a cellular level, which is all the more reason why we need to break these strongholds. So that not because our children, they've already got some of that trauma passed, but if I can speak it into my life, then I can walk my children through it so it doesn't pass down to their children Amen. and their children's children. And there's, a, a, I think the last thing I, I want to say, and, and everybody have one last com- comment on this. Um, when you think about the role of spiritual warfare, what role does prayer play into it mm-hmm. in this? Because if we're supposed to speak the truth, there's prayer in God's word. How, how do we leverage prayer and how do we leverage the word become flesh into speaking truth? Because truth is how we overcome the stronghold. I, I think about it as like a recalibration. Like, and both truth, quote unquote truth, and lies, like once they're like, well, that's, like you have to take it back to God's word and God's spirit and God's people to recalibrate like where you've gotten off. And I think that's, I think that's where prayer is so essential mixed with God's word, because I feel like they, they do have to go together, but just like, Lord, is this true? Lord, where does this come from? Like it's the revealing through the spirit that eventually brings to light the light that you're believing. Search me and know me. God. Yes. Know my Amen. anxious thoughts. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a terrifying point. That is a, that is a, yeah. It's a terrifying point. Yeah. I love that. And, and when you're doing that, and I immediately thought of, you know, the armor of God, and we've been talking about it, you know, these, the, the, our battle is not flesh and blood. You know, you put on that belt of truth, the shield of faith, yeah. the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel of peace, that you're, you're always ready to talk about what you believe in. But all those are defensive or utility, you know, like the belt holds up your pants, you know, it's, it's, the, it's what grounds <laughs> it you. It everything together. Yeah. But what we have offensively is the sword of it's, spirit. Right. That's the only that's, one that's an actual weapon that we get to use. And so when you pray in the word of God, that, that you get to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, that you get to go out and give the word of God out as an offense, you know, that, that's, that's why it's so important to spend time in prayer. So t- important to spend time with your Bible and your word and in community in the word. Yeah. yeah that was, because then you know 
what you're fighting with. If you don't know how to use a sword, you're almost more dangerous to everyone else around you, you and yourself. You are. <laughs> you are. Almost. Have you ever seen someone like hold a, a weapon that they don't know yeah. gun safe? Yeah. You clearly don't you, know you how to hold that weapon. Someone looks down the barrel and goes asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But if you know your weapon, man, how how, how deadly can you be with is that? It? Yeah. Way more powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you both, <laughs> Jennifer and Kate, are, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking in response to Jason's question. I'm like, yep, that's pretty much what I was thinking. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's just like spending time in prayer and having having an, a mindset of self reflection. You know, being and like humility. Being, take yep, and humility. Taking taking the effort and the time to be like, what what is my heart in this scenario in this situation? Why why am I feeling this way? Why am I behaving this way? God, search me and I exactly what I thought too. Jason was like, search me and know me and reveal to me where I'm where I'm falling short. And it's like, you sure? Yeah, I think so. Okay, here you go. That does take this like this. I don't even know if this is a spiritual discipline, but of like being still. It is is. because it's it's you don't. you have to be very intentional with that prayer and with that prayer time. If it, if you are actually, if you are a- actually asking the Lord, search me and know my heart, yeah, it's, test my anxious thoughts, you know. And I think that the hard, hard part in spiritual warfare is that some people want to approach prayer and God's word as this is going to solve the issue. Mm. That this is what's going to read. This is what's going to save me, fix me, and then they pray it, and it doesn't get better. They read it, and like, why aren't things changed? The purpose of prayer and God's word is to get us to the one who does and, uh, fight it. I don't fight my battles. Right. I go to the God of. Is that Ex- Exodus fourteen fourteen? Yeah, like that's He fights our battles, and the more that I lean into Him, the more I'm trusting that He'll do the fighting. Um, I can't fight cancer. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I get cancer, I can't fight it. I have to go to a different source. And and I think that's part of it. The, the last thing I wanted to say was, um, I think the other part that God's word reveals in us is that, and this goes back to what you said earlier, Jennifer, is that every lie has an element of truth. And what came to mind to my mind was Hitler. Mm-hmm. Hitler came to yeah. power because Germany had been struggling. Yeah. Yep. There was truth, and a lot of it was there was a lack of nationalism. He united a country, a people around a country because their country had been suffering. He just twisted it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I mean, we've seen that in America. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. seen that in our own culture, and yet that's how the enemy works: is he takes something that's good, a desire, according to Tony Evans, mm-hmm. he then brings deception. Which then leads to disobedience, which ultimately leads to death. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, this is, uh, I'm so, I've, I was a little, not nervous, that's the wrong word. I was curious to see people's response to going through spiritual warfare. And, and so far, I've had so many people yeah. who have been like, thank you. Yes, we felt it. We've seen it. And now my prayers, and I appreciate everybody's prayer on this, but as we're walking through this, I don't want to do the generic, we're just going to talk about the, armor of God and that's it. No, mm-hmm. we're going to get into how do we resist? Well, yeah. I want to look at the real challenges in spiritual warfare. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize how um, uh, how much I really had not really pressed into this issue before until I started studying it. Like, oh my gosh, there are so many things that are spiritual warfare that, that I never attributed to that. Uh, well, hey, thank you guys. If you're listening, do us a favor, if you found this helpful, share it with somebody else. 
post if you have questions post it underneath this i'd love to hear questions or thoughts or comments um and we'll answer them uh, this has been the breakthrough breakdown i'm jason i'm kate i'm john jennifer we went backwards have a great day. and yes, i also thought did. you said elton john Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.